Mark chapter 10, stand with me if you would for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be at verse 46. Students of the Word, I'll just ask you to leave your Bibles open, leave your electronic devices open to that after we're done. I believe the Lord's going to show you some things today maybe you've never seen. And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said unto him, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. I'm going to ask you if you would to stretch your hand this direction. Pray God's blessing and anointing, not just over the Word and His servant, but over your ears to hear and your heart to receive. Can I hear you pray with me and for me today? Father, I just bless you today. I thank you for the privilege to pull up to the banqueting table of the Master. And I believe, God, that you're going to do something significant again in our midst today. This is the moment, God, that we tune in with our faith to the hearing of the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that every one of us, that we raise our spiritual antennas, every distraction would be removed, and we would only focus upon what it is that the Spirit wants to say to God's people. Lord, this servant is nothing but flesh and bone. I have to have the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to communicate this Word. And so I covet that today. I ask for it earnestly, and I beseech you for it. And may our, our, our ears hear and our hearts receive what it is that you want us to receive today. We believe for miracles. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Today I want to talk about when faith cries out. <clears throat> when faith cries out. I believe the Lord is stirring some hearts, and I believe that during this season, over the last several days, Jesus is awakening some slumbering faith in the body. Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift that is within you. Last Sunday, we spoke on when faith reaches out. And to review quickly, 
We determined that faith is the bedrock of our Christian walk with the Lord. And as we discussed with the, the woman with the issue of blood, we also talked about the crowd that she found herself surrounded by. And yet, with the crowd, she was still determined to receive her miracle. She wasn't going to just get shoved aside, but she was determined to push through and touch the hem of his garment. And upon doing so, the flow of her blood immediately stopped. And then she and her faith was suddenly thrust into the spotlight to give praise and honor unto the Lord for what he had done. Because of her faith and because of her persistence, I believe that Jairus' faith was encouraged that would ultimately lead to his 12-year-old daughter being raised back to life. I believe because of her persistence in reaching out with her faith, several others in the very next chapter, they would be brought to Jesus insomuch that they could only touch the hem of his garment, but many of them received their healing. And I believe it happened because this woman set the stage for others' faith to be inspired. Her faith reached out when she was financially drained. Her faith reached out when she was socially ostracized. Her faith reached out when she was spiritually exhausted. She still believed, and she received her healing. But what I want you to know today is that not only should faith be reaching out, but faith also needs to be crying out. I never see anywhere in the Word of God, although some may justify, I never see where faith is quiet. I always see that when faith, when we were committed to our faith and our faith is working in us, that it's going to come forth from within us. And people are going to know that we are uh, individuals and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes when it comes to our miracles, I believe that God is looking for the level of our cry, to be quite frank. I believe He's looking for the level of our faith to be manifested in our petitions and our supplications unto the Lord. I believe there are times that God wants us to cry aloud unto Him. I believe there are times that He wants us to lift our voice unto Him in desperation for the miracle that we have. We see that manifested here in this miracle that is in front of us. The first thing we see is the cry of Bartimaeus. He has sat there for many years feeling sunshine but not seeing it. He has smelled the flowers of spring, but he has not beheld their beauty. He has smelled and heard the fragrance of an approaching shower, but he was not able to behold it with natural vision like you and I do today. The disciples and a great number of people were passing by, and Jesus was in the crowd. And in all the noise, the cry of Bartimaeus is heard. And all the racket and all the sound and all the, the decibels of people and all the, the things that were happening, the, this cry went out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. 
Here you have a a beggar who is sitting there. He's been receiving alms and handouts. He's helpless. He can't take care of himself. And yet when he cried out, and this is important, he didn't cry out for the Lord to fill the box so that he could eat another meal or so that he could get buy something to drink. Or he didn't ask for God to fill the box, Jesus to fill the box, so he could save a little more for a rainy day. Oh no, when he cried out to the Lord, he knew who he was crying crying out to. He knew what he was crying out for. It was not another handout. It was a hand up. It was so that he could receive his sight. Let me divert just for a moment and tell you what a message right there. I could spend the rest of this message talking about that right there. And this is something that we need to we need to hear because in our affluent society and especially in our country, in Western Christianity, we have more interested in money for their boxes while they continue to grope and stumble around in darkness. But can I tell you what the Word of God says? Can I tell you what the red letters of Jesus asked? He asked this question, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I'll go on record to say more money is not what we need. What we need is to cry out to a merciful Lord Lord and ask him to open our blinded eyes to his glory and to his grace. I'm convinced that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto us. Amen. Things are tough right now, economically and with war in, our, in other countries and inflation at an all-time high. And I mentioned gas prices earlier, and I told my wife, I, I have not seen gas prices like this in my lifetime living in Virginia. And I'm in no favor of a, a recession uh, more than anyone in the room. I'm not in favor of it at all. But one thing is for sure, adversity has never been what compromised our faith. It has never been adversity more than it has been prosperity that has compromised our faith and our values. And could it be that the end time revival that we believe is right upon us, is coming? that's coming to our world, would come when people get their blinded eyes off of the almighty dollar and get our eyes back upon the Lord Jesus Christ instead of crying out, for more material things, we cry out, Lord, have mercy upon us and our family and open our blinded eyes to see your glory. Amen. The story continues that the crowd rebuked Bartimaeus when he cried out loudly like he did. And what they thought would silence him and what they thought through peer pressure would have caused him to be quiet just made him more passionate to touch the heart of the Lord. He cried a great deal more, Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And I thought this week as the Lord directed me, maybe Bartimaeus knew some Old Testament prophecies. Maybe he knew the words from Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 18 when it says, And in that day shall the eyes of the blind 
blind see out of obscurity. Maybe Bartimaeus knew that. Maybe he knew the prophecy in Isaiah 35, verse 4 and 5, that said he will come and save you, and then the eyes of the blind will be open. It's possible that he knew those prophecies, and maybe that's why his faith was so determined. After all, the last time I read, Romans still says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. You might have started out here when I first read the scripture, but I believe by the time we get to this message, your faith is going to be soaring like an eagle. And let me tell you, when your faith soars like an eagle, then you become a great candidate for God to do something supernatural in your life. Let me talk to you for a few moments about the, the, some truths about this miracle. First of all, let me talk about his cry, the cry of Bartimaeus, some specific things about the cry. The first thing I want to tell you is that the cry was not to a king alone. This is important, but it was to his master. It was not to a king alone, but it was to his master. Boy, the first time I saw this, it turned my world upside down. You see, at first, Bartimaeus, Timaeus was saying the same thing the crowds were saying. He was saying, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And the rest of the crowd was calling Jesus son of David. They, they were in other places. They were waving palm branches and, and, and magnifying him as the king of Israel. But, and that's what Bartimaeus was doing at first. But if you still have your Bibles open and you go to verse 51, you'll notice there that when Jesus called Bartimaeus over to him, he asked him, he said, what shall I do for you. Listen to what he said. He said, Lord, Lord, that I might receive my sight. One day I was curious about that, Brother James, and I went and looked it up. I said, what was he saying when he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight? I studied that out and discovered that the word Lord in this particular place is the word Rabboni in the Greek, which means my Master, you stay with me, my master, did you know the only other person that used the word Lord in the Greek as it's used here was Mary, and that was at the tomb of Jesus in John chapter 20 and verse 16 when she found the resurrected Lord and she said Rabboni, which is to translate my master. What I want you to get is here, Bartimaeus is proclaiming my master. He's not just saying, Jesus, thou son of David. He's saying, my master. What does that speak to me? I'll tell you what it speaks to me. It speaks to me that Bartimaeus already had a relationship with the Lord. I believe that with all of my heart. Now, let me tell you what that, what, how that translates. I believe it's confirmed for as soon as he was healed, he followed Jesus in the way. He may not have traveled with him and maybe he heard about him from afar, but at some point Bartimaeus made a decision that this Jesus of Nazareth is for real and I want him to be Lord of my life. And that's way when he came over to him and he said, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? He said, my master, I just want to receive my sight. I'm not asking you to give me any more alms. I'm not asking you to give me money for food. I'm not asking you to make my life more 
inconvenient. I'm not asking you to do anything for my family. I simply want you to touch me so that I can receive my sight. But the fact that he called him my master is what I really want to drive home because I admit that God works in mysterious ways. You know, kind of like when he talks to a donkey. You know, he works in mysterious ways. He throws us off sometimes. We can't figure it out. Sometimes he leaves me scratching my hand, head. But I do believe that the Word of God teaches us that it is, it is his children that call him Lord and that live like he is Lord. Come on, help me now. They live like he is Lord and Master. They are the greatest candidates for a miracle from the Lord. I know Jesus is Messiah. I praise him because he's king of kings and lord of lords. But I'm telling you, he is my Rabboni today. He is my master today. He is my lord today. I know that the Lord, he is God. And besides him, there is none else. But I'm telling you, Jesus is my savior, my lord. I have a personal relationship with him. I call him lord. I live like he is lord. And I have set myself up as a candidate for his miraculous working power in my life and in my family. I wish somebody would give him praise. <laughs> We're healing because he's my Lord. We're a financial blessing because he's my Lord. We're the salvation of my family because he's, because he's my Lord. He's more important than my only son. He's more important than my wife of nearly 34 years. He is my Rabboni, my Lord, and my master. And I don't just say it. I live like it. I tell you, I, I love last week. I told the class Wednesday night my tie was so wet that I felt like I was working out just trying to get the knot undone. I love services like that. I watched as the Holy Spirit hit people and touched people. Some went out on the floor, some danced in the Spirit. And brief passing thoughts would come to me. I'd say, oh, Lord, somebody better be in the Holy Ghost. Somebody going to get hurt. But nobody got hurt because the Holy Ghost don't hurt people. The Holy Ghost blesses people. I'm confident that I prayed for 100 people last week and was happy to do so. But how many of those 100 people called Jesus Master and Lord? That's a question only you can answer. How many people sitting in the... I felt that bounce back. How many people sitting in this room? Oh, I'm a Christian. He's my Lord. But the life doesn't match up with the lips. The possession doesn't line up with the profession. You can't sow seeds of sin all week long for six days and expect a failure of a crop on Sunday. 
You have to live for him every day. He has to be Lord every day. And I'm convinced that if you will appropriate his power, then you will also recognize his lordship. And if you will recognize his lordship and you live like he is Lord, then you can do exactly what Jeremiah 33, 3 says. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great things which you did not know. That promises to people whose Jesus is their Lord. The second thing is that his cry was not to the crowd. He did not begin with faces in the crowd. I'm sure there were doctors in the crowd. and I don't know. The crowds around us have family therapists and pharmacists and pastors and believers and family members. They're all in the crowd and they're all good. But they all must be secondary to the cry to Jesus. This is not just theological and philosophical. This is practical stuff. When's the last time you stopped and cried out to Jesus for the migraine that suddenly came on rather than grabbing for the pill bottle? Wouldn't it be something if you're grocery shopping at Walmart and a migraine starts to come on? And you put your hand over your head and start praying right there in the middle of the store. People think you're nuts, but you don't care because Jesus is your Lord and your healer. When's the last time, Mom, that you laid your hand on the fevered brow of your son or daughter and began to pray in the spirit for that fever to break? Bartimaeus didn't care about who was in the crowd. He knew who the answer was. He cried out beyond the crowd. <laughs> Cast away his garments and ran to where Jesus was. And he received his miracle of sight. So what's holding you back? Lay down your garments of pride and self-sufficiency. Garments of sin and doubt. Leave them behind and run to his feet. Cry out to him. Quit being so self-conscious about what other people think. Man, when I, when I read this miracle, that he cried out, I'm reminded that I need to pray with more fervency. Amen? I'm reminded when I read this that I need to pray and invest more time than I have. You know, I had actually had a day recently that I forgot to pray. A day came and a day went, and I forgot to pray. We get so busy. We get so busy even doing the work of the Lord that we forget to have a relationship with the Lord of the work. When I read this, 
I see I need to pray. You need to pray with your spouses. When I see this, I see you need to pray with your children. When I see this, I'm talking about fervency now. I see you need to pray with weepings and groanings, according to the book of Romans, in the Spirit. When I read this, I, 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 I sense that I need to pray more in the Holy Ghost, according to the book of Jude. It is time our emotions were affected by the burden of our hearts and we cried out and we spared not and we lifted our voice like a trumpet. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift your voice like a trumpet. Jesus looked at him and said, not my power has saved you. Jesus looked at him and said, your faith, my God, your faith, this is resonating with somebody, your faith has made you whole. Your determination to lift your voice above all the Ambient noise. You don't know the opposition I have to deal with. It should make you pray more. You don't know the cantankerous people that I have to contend with. It should make you to pray with more determination. And then I was looking at that miracle. Saw a couple lessons from the cry of Bartimaeus that I just shared, but then I I looked at the cry of the crowd, the cry of the disciples. They're all kind of traveling there together. You know, in the message last week, we saw the, we, we had the press of the crowd, but there was no, no real cry from the crowd. It's not addressed. There's a lot of, not, not a lot of noise talked about. Here, the crowd is saying something to Barnabas. The first thing they said to him, many charged him that he should hold his peace. Now, I began to ask myself the question, who was it that was telling him to be quiet? Was the many the crowd or the disciples? You see, friend, the crowd represents the world. The disciples represent the church. And I'm troubled to think that the church would keep Barnabas from receiving his miracle. Ah, but wait a minute. Then I remembered. There was a time that the disciples tried to keep little children from sitting on the lap of Jesus. Oh, I'm going somewhere. We expect the world to attempt to silence the cry of our faith. They'll do it. They'll do it this week. Somebody will wear your nerves out on the job. Somebody will get to you, and your faith will take a hit. We expect it from the world, but we should not find it in the church. How spiritual we can be in the church. 
We can pray for someone to receive a miracle around the altars. But ten minutes after praying with them, we're filling their minds with the poison of gossip that can kill anything that just happened at the altar. Y'all out there? <laughs> oh, we would, some, maybe a saint won't tell a young believer to be quiet as they're on their way to their physical, spiritual, or emotional healing. But that so-called saint comes by and maybe they'll plant a negative seed or give them a negative bone to gnaw on that needles their mind and ends up leaving them broken on the side of the road. Oh, God, help the church. God, help this pastor. God, help every believer. We're not here to tear down. We're here to build up. Don't be the one that shuts down the desperate Bartimaeus's around you that need Jesus to open their blinded eyes. Don't be the one that quenches others' faith. Don't be the one that poisons the well. Don't be the one that silences the faith of others with your negativism. I know it's a hard world we're living in, but that's why we have to keep our eyes upon Jesus. That's why we have to look full in his wonderful face so that the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace. That's why we have to keep our eyes upon Him. That's why we have to constantly put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Because not only does it affect our walk with the Lord, but it affects others around us. We have to keep the faith, and we have to speak the faith into the hearts of others that are reaching out like Bartimaeus for their miracle. But there is hope. See, I don't know if it was a different crowd or the same crowd and Christ transformed them. But they went from hold your peace, be quiet, and shut up. They went from that to be of good cheer. Jesus is calling for you. That's what I want to be. I want to be the person with when someone in despair. I don't want to tell them I, I don't have time to listen to it. I've got other things. I've got my own life to live. I want to be the one that says, why don't you just hold on? Jesus is calling for you. Put your trust in him. Be of good cheer. He'll work it out if you'll lean upon him. Forgive your pastor. And I put an if there. I put an if there. I shouldn't have put an if there. God, I'm sorry. Forgive your pastor any time over the last four and a half years that I have silenced your faith in Jesus Christ with cynicism or negativism or gossip. But here's good news. Jesus can redeem us, and thank God Jesus can redeem our speech. Come on, somebody give him praise. The family therapist says, irreconcilable differences. Cry out above it. The finance counselor states, bankruptcy court's your only option. Cry out above it. The doctor, the specialist states it's incurable, it's un untreatable, it's terminal. Cry out above it. Do not allow anyone to hinder you from receiving 
your miracle from the Lord. You're lost in the house. If you're lost and watching online, (laughs) rise up. Be of good cheer. Jesus is calling for you. I don't know if there's been any illustration that is any story that has impacted me more than the one I'm going to share with you. It's like a good choir song. You'd like to share this about once a month. The story is told about three farmers who daily gathered in a field during a horrible drought. They're on their knees. They're looking up to heaven. And they're praying the skies will open and rain will fall. The heavens are silent. The petitioners become so discouraged, but every morning they meet three farmers to lift their request to the Lord. One morning, an uninvited stranger approached and asked the men what they were doing. They said, we're praying for rain. The newcomer looked at him and shook his head. I don't think so. The first farmer chimed in and said, of course we're praying. We're we're down on our knees pleading for rain. Look around. See the drought. We haven't had rain in more than a year. The second farmer jumped in and said, we need the rain. We're, 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 We aren't asking for ourselves, but for our families and our livestock. The stranger listened, and he nodded, and he still wasn't impressed. He said, you're wasting your time. The third farmer couldn't take it anymore, and in anger, he said, okay, what would you do if you were in our shoes? The stranger said, you really want to know? They said, yes, we really want to know the future of our farmlands are at stake. The uninvited stranger said simply, I would have brought an umbrella. I would have brought an umbrella. (laughs) Uh, Some of y'all are freaking out right now because you're mystical. Oh, the pastor opened an umbrella inside the church. You're caught up in broken mirrors and black cats and walking underneath open ladders. It ain't nothing but superstition and a bunch of nonsense. Do you really know why we don't encourage people to open umbrellas inside of a room? It has nothing to do with superstition. We just don't want nobody to get their eye poked out. Hey, come on now. (laughs) I asked you to bring umbrellas this morning. I asked you to do it as an act of faith. Danny, I guess we got some, maybe a few spare out there at the Welcome Center. If somebody didn't bring it or didn't get the message, my Lord, we sent out five reminders. You say, this is not necessary. This is, well, I'm just following the Holy Ghost. 
In just a few minutes, we're going to open our umbrellas as act of faith. I'm going to ask you to fill up the altars and the aisleways. We'll have to space out a bit. But we're going to cry out for the blessings of heaven to be opened over our lives, our families, and our church. Elijah prayed. But then he saw a cloud like a man's hand. He put his head between his knees and he prayed six times. And on the seventh time, he told his servant, go look one more time. He had looked already six times. And when the servant looked in 1 Kings chapter 18, he said, he come running back and he said, well, I don't see nothing but a cloud like a man's hand. He said, get ready. Rain is coming. Mm. He said, I already heard it. In my spirit, there is a sound of an abundant, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. There is a sound of an abundance of rain. Mm. His prayer and his belief, his faith and his umbrella. Ezekiel 34 and 26 tells us these words, there shall be showers of blessing. Say that with me. There shall be showers of blessing. Let's say it together. There shall be showers of blessings. There shall be showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. Oh, God, get this in their spirit. There shall be showers of blessing. I don't care what the gas pump says. There shall be showers of blessing. It doesn't matter what's happening across the world. You live here and declare there shall be showers of blessing. Oh, it doesn't matter what family turmoil is going on. You got to rise up. You got to pray. And you got to lift your umbrella in anticipation for the blessings of the Lord. There shall be showers of blessing. That dude is nuts. Last week, your spectacle of faith was on the platform. This week, your spectacle of faith is your umbrella. Your umbrella of belief. There shall be. I said there shall be. More importantly, the Bible says there shall be. You can sit back on your heels of doubt and do nothing. Then get out of my way because the umbrella will poke you in the eye. Because I'm ready for the showers of blessing. I'm ready. Mark eleven twenty four. What things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. 
I'm breaking some of y'all's cultural assumptions, just waving this thing around. I don't know how many got theirs. Look, I've done bent this thing. It's still big enough to cover my head. I don't know how many of you got the message. And if you don't have one, just use your hands as an umbrella. But I'm telling you, if you got an umbrella and you're ready to walk by faith and you're ready to expect, I'm just following the Holy Ghost. That's all I'm doing. I'm just being obedient. Come on, Tony. And when you pray, believe. You got to change your mindset. You got to change your attitude. You have to change the perspective. Quit looking at things as glass half empty. Start looking at them as full glass overflowing with the abundance and the blessings of the Lord. You got to change your ways. And to change your ways, you got to first change your mind. You got to change your mind. Anybody bring their umbrella? You ready? Now, now make sure you open it above your head. Don't be poking nobody in the, in the eye. Huh, you ready? Come on. Come on, this is going to be on camera. We ain't worried about that. You at home? Maybe you're not here? Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I love it. <laughs> Woo! That's what you're going to have to do. Fill the aisles, fill the altar, give yourself a little space between you and the person next to you. Because this ain't just going to be about an umbrella. This is going to be about you crying out to the Lord. Come on. I need some people around this altar. I know we can't, maybe can't all get up here, but fill up the aisles. Come on, do what you got to do. Come on. Man, I love this. This is awesome. Hallelujah. Y'all ready? Lift it up. Go ahead, throw it up. Maybe you didn't bring one and there's a brother or sister close by. Hey, somebody. Jump in under theirs. There's one. Grab it. Y'all out there? Yeah. I want music only first. They're going to start playing. You're not only praying, but you're believing. You're Bartimaeus today. This is no time to be shy. You're not worried about who's standing next to you or if they're going to have to turn their hearing aid down. This is about you and Jesus right now. This is about you lifting up your voice like a trumpet and beseeching God for the miracle you so desperately need in your life. Put that scripture back up there. And when you pray, believe. You ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Your needs are different than my needs. Whatever it is, maybe you need a healing. Maybe you need to see your family saved. Maybe you need God to do something in your finances. Maybe there's a relationship.
that's been estranged that needs to be restored. How many of you believe today God can turn things around? I mean, you believe it with all of your heart. Are you ready? Come on. Let's lift up our voices right now. All over this room. Father, we come before you today. We are Bartimaeus is in the room. Lord, we